Hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Podcast Episode 18. Have you been uh, enjoying the Olympics, Rob? Uh, yeah, kind of. I've been a little frustrated by not seeing any of the skating this year. Did I miss it? No, uh, the skating's in the Winter Olympics. This is the Summer Olympics. It's in Brazil. Brazil's in the Southern Hemisphere, so it's their winter. And so welcome to Episode 18, everyone. Top stories. Olympics. Uh, a brief recap. Uh, well, it, it didn't turn into, uh, I guess, at least on the surface, the, uh, the complete and utter shit show that we were expecting down in Rio there. Definitely had some interesting moments, though. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the very, very pretty and very, very dumb Mr. Lochte. With, with what he's done to his career prospects, maybe he'll end up working in a gas station. <laughs> That'd be to clean the bathrooms. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think all kinds of things were going on down there. There was some good kind of, I guess, behind-the-scenes stories, stuff that didn't get talked about a whole lot before the Olympics um, or even while it was going on. Everybody seemed kind of obsessed with the exceptionally sexist coverage rather than the actual things that were going on other than Michael Phelps and Simone Biles. One of the big stories that I was able to find some interesting coverage on was the Olympic volunteers. So all the people that you see assisting at the Olympics are all volunteers. These volunteers have to pay their own way to get down there and once they're there they're supposed to be given room and board in exchange for their volunteering their services and some of them spent a lot of money to get down there for this and it, it's not cheap to travel and they're doing this off their their own bat and the love of the olympics they should at least be a little shown a little love back and with more details <laughs> diana there's been reports that basically these guys are showing up for these eight nine eight and nine hour shifts and they're not being fed their schedules were pretty mixed up as to where they're supposed to be and, and how many of them are supposed to be at the different venues. Yeah, these guys are hungry and they're tired and they're not being taken care of. And so at some venues, there are, uh, Rio spokespeople are actually acknowledging that, you know, only 20% of the expected volunteers are showing up or did show up. I think overall, they said the rate was, uh, the attendance rate was right around 70%. But even with that, you know, that that kind of leaves the volunteers that were showing up holding a much heavier bag, doing much more things, and especially being undercompensated. It doesn't really, uh, you know, seem super fair to the uh, people who committed and uh, followed through on their commitment. Basically, it fell completely in line with the rest of the yeah, Olympic experience. There you go. Yeah. 2016 strikes again. <laughs> The whole Olympics, or uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there were some uh, some other pretty big fails that that went on. Can I introduce my favorite one? Sure, go ahead. I was gonna say, can we wait a minute? But I can see by the gleam in your eye that no, you can't. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the pool water, it it's gone. Yeah, Green. it went. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe I saw one report that described it as a. Uh, 
you know, unforgivingly turning green. <laughs> Unrepentantly would be another good word for it. it. Yeah, the term that came to my mind when I saw it was jello shock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, um, Twitter, of course, had some fun with it, comparing it to um, Shrek's pool water, or wondering perhaps if Kermit was in residence. <laughs> yeah, there was a nice long laundry list of other events that occurred. There was a near miss of stray bullet, which. Uh, hit a media bus. I think there was only 10 people on it, but the windows were all shattered out. And the official word is that spectators were throwing rocks, but a couple of the reporters that were on the bus specifically cited hearing gunshots prior to the windows shattering. And some of those reporters are going to be familiar with what that sounds yeah, like, I'm seriously. sure. Um, there was a, a couple of pretty high-profile actual robberies. Um was the, the head of security outside of one of the venues was mugged. Because <laughs> you got to yeah. love irony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, leading up to the Olympics before the opening ceremonies, the Australian contingent had, uh, I guess, in their... Yeah, they, um, can I, if I can pick up the story a little bit. Go right ahead. So the Australians had a lot of issues with the accommodations that they were given. Um they were essentially incomplete and uninhabitable at the outset. And so um, they were made habitable, and they moved in. And having done so, on one occasion, there was the fire alarm went off. So they evacuated the building, as you're supposed to do. And during the course of which, they discovered that not all the fire alarms on all the floors had been wired in, because some of the team were asleep in beds on other floors and were unaware of this going on and so slept on and when the Australian team uh, were able to return to their rooms discovered that they'd been burgled during the evacuation that seems seems about right perfect uh, of course yeah yes um yeah so there were also a uh, a couple of pretty horrific crashes on the uh on the cycling road races uh actually i didn't watch much of the olympics but one of the events that i did watch was the men's road cycle road race there were these insanely steep and windy roads that i think there was like a three person pile up at one point and then the next day the women in the exact same spot that the head uh the lead cyclist was uh, you know she came off a bike and was quite badly injured i don't I know if she said she had like a broken bone in her back a couple of them yes uh, broken vertebrae so you know there were some interviews with uh people with the international cycling uh you know association after the race saying that you know these are not acceptable racing conditions um i know in our in our rio special a couple months ago we were talking about there's a scaffolding that they were trying to uh, install over the or over the the bay over the water and uh you know the scaffolding collapsed oh, the bridge and, yeah yeah part of the road race bridge that was uh, it actually had people on it at the time two people died in that incident where uh, the construction was so appallingly bad that it simply gave out, um, seemingly under its own weight as much as anything else. And as appalling as the the cycling conditions are, 
you have to feel that they got off lucky compared to the sailors. Oh, yeah. I mean, and again, we talked about the water condition in our uh, lead up to the Olympic special. But that's, uh, some, that's some nasty ass water. Yeah, there's a uh, shockingly disgusting photograph on the article on the, the CBC has posted um, basically saying in addition to all of the biological issues, uh, yeah, we're just going to add oil slicks to the water quality situation down there. No, and, that's not uh, performance enhancing in any way, is it? No, no. They said all of the white boats were coming out like brownish black. Um, and, and there was just, it was everywhere. There was no way to avoid it. And everything was just stained. I think one of my favorite quotes was one from a Spanish sailor, Jordi Zammer. And he said that he saw the slick and he had tried to avoid it. That boats were completely brown, but the worst thing they saw was a lot of dead fish. That this is his fourth time actually in Rio competing for, you know, sailing events. To his eye, the water seems to, quote, have improved a bit. It was yellow green last year. Ugh. Yeah, maybe they were using pool water. <laughs> then it would have just been green green not yellow green <laughs> again green private prisons so recently the feds announced that they are going to stop the use of private prisons within the correctional biz, as, as they say. Within there. They're, they're no longer going to put federal prisoners in private prisons. Thank you for clarifying. Yes, yes. indeed. Um, why is this important? Um, it's important because the feds did a study and found that private prisons offer absolutely no cost savings and are less safe for both the inmates and the staff that work there because in part there's a disproportionate relationship of too many prisoners too few staff this doesn't get into the fact that the states and local level people will still be using private prisons but it does help set a precedent that you know, the DOJ is not going to use them and maybe it'll make private, uh, maybe it'll make the states and local jurisdictions kind of look at their contracts a little bit harder. One thing that I found that was pretty interesting while we were kind of doing some background research for this was um, the contracts that the states set up with these private prisons actually have a quota. Um, they have a, an inmate quota that they when they sign up to utilize these facilities, they basically promise the prison that they will keep the beds anywhere from 75% to 90% occupied at all times. And that's a problem because then you have law enforcement is, uh, to use a vulgar Americanism, incentivized 
right. provided with incentives to make sure that the police capture enough people to fill all those because, well, we're paying for them anyway, may as well fill them. Uh, and that's not the way that a justice system should, in, in my exalted opinion. Or anybody who, you know, has any sense of moral justice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, should be thinking about this. It, it's you're trying to fill up beds just because, and part of the, to me, part of the problem that's always seemed to me has been that one of the major backers of the legislation that keeps marijuana as a, well, a class A drug, mm-hmm. is that right? Yep, Thank just you. just as bad as heroin. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just as bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally non-user but it's not a drug that worries me in the same way that heroin cocaine meth and the rest of that lot do but the effect is that you have young people who are disproportionately represented in society shall we say Mm. end up incarcerated and then institutionalized into a prison existence and because they've been in prison and then have a record then find it harder to secure the kind of jobs that would keep them out of that and you end up with this um, uh, not sort of revolving door more, more like a treadmill of people who are being cycled through and then serve some time They, you know, state pays, company's happy and then these people are released only to be rearrested shortly again thereafter yeah. And because they have an established criminal record... Yeah, you're setting up a culture for them to stay in prison or... or A a culture of incarceration. Oh, look at you. Oh, look at me indeed. Hmm. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's a 2015 article in the Washington Post just kind of talking about um, and highlighting the fact that the private prison lobby is right up there with big oil and big pharma and and the NRA guns you know they're the the big four of the major lobbying groups in Washington um you know that it's it's a huge huge industry annually it it, it is a 3.3 billion dollar annually that is that is what they private prisons take in and they have made the private federal prison population more than double between 2000 and 2010 so these quotas just kind of incentivize people to get picked up for minor infractions and keep them in prison jaywalking without a license (laughs) using the carpool lane without a passenger yeah well So, uh, there were only 13 federal private prisons, but closing them is setting a precedent, and hopefully the Department of Justice's decision will kind of strike a blow. Yeah, maybe the trickle-down will actually work. The uh, only thing that seems to resonate with a lot of these people is money, and as soon as the mandate was passed down there was a massive uh 40% stock price drop in the in the days after this announcement came out so will they 
see the bottom line in black and red. There's a, a really good in-depth view from the inside of this that was posted on Mother Jones. I'm going to provide the link to Diana to put on our website mm -hmm. because I'm kind like that. Mm. Where there's a, a journalist, Shane Bauer, spent four months essentially undercover as a prison guard at a private prison and the insights that he shares are truly shocking how little it takes to become a prison guard how it's run and and everything goes the, that goes along with it uh, there was um, I'm, my mind goes back to that study that was done by that university where they split students into two groups the inmates and the the staff the prison guards mm. and how quickly people settled into those roles and then violence ensued as a result and it's the same thing here we often hear about people who dehumanize the the people that you separate yourself from and we see it a lot in religious intolerance between different factions and sects and those that would prefer to race hate than actually understand that humans be human you know and underneath we've got the same old basic needs of shelter clothing food warmth and how easy it is for people just to settle into these roles and i listened to um, an interview with this guy shane bauer and what he had to say about this about the way that they treated the inmates to try and maintain some modicum of control but he was told in confidence by one of the senior guards at one point, inmates run this bitch. Because hmm. they're out, outnumbered and it's just a, a violent confrontational environment. Oftentimes the staff didn't have the requisite equipment. they supposed to have those nightsticks. Not everybody had them. Hmm. Uh, if something went down, they were taught to radio for help. And the uh, even the intake process saying that <laughs> And these guys are being paid $9 an hour. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, that's how they have such a high profit margin. Yeah, they pay their staff incredibly poorly, and they overstuff the prisons. I mean, mm -hmm. it's... Uh, um, when the dollar drives things, as it is wont to do in American society, because mm -hmm. it's built on capitalist principles without seeming regard for human decency, you get these scenarios. Am I being overly ranty? No, I'm just thinking about, as you're talking, you know, the, the frightening exact same parallel that we see going on, you know, currently with the pharmaceuticals, with these, the EpiPens, um, mm -hmm. the price gouging that's going on with that. I mean, you're talking about medication that literally saves people's lives. I mean, I, I have an EpiPen and... I haven't had to use it, but I have it because I need it. I, I may need it. And it was, it was expensive. It was, you know, $200. Um, and that's out of pocket after insurance. And there are people who are not as financially secure as myself, who are more allergic to things than I am. You know, this is not a luxury. This is literally something that is used for life and death. And as we've seen with other medications, the price gouging happens here in the States where there is not that transparency in the pricing structure. Uh, Meanwhile, CEOs are giving themselves raises 
that are obscene in numbers that hurt my brain to try and realistically think about it's one thing to hear the phrase 17 million dollars and it's another thing to look at my paycheck and to think about even if i get an extra one thousand (laughs) dollars the reality of what that would do to me never mind what 17 million (laughs) dollars you know um i could spend that it's It's an order of magnitude that is so ridiculous. It's it it literally boggles my mind. Like it, it I don't know, it just hurts. It hurts my head. So, you know, that yes, capitalism, whatever, it's how we're set up, but federal prisons, the the pharmaceutical situation right now, um, you know, it it's it's all I feel like it's getting bigger and worse, and it's just highlighting the uh, stratification of America and the way that we've become. The one percent right. really is the one percent, and there is, you know, okay, yeah, there's a middle class, but the the realistic. Can I throw out another phrase? The increasing stratification of privilege. There you go. Yeah, just the the in, the increasing difference between. The what? haves and the have-nots. Yeah. I yeah, and, and we're not talking about, like, okay, I have to live out of my car. Like, the the fact that the rent that I pay on my apartment is more than the mortgage that I have paid for homes that I've owned, you know, uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It is ridiculous. To try and find affordable housing is ex- Extremely difficult. Unless you go into prison, in which case it's paid for you. I'm trying to wrap it back down to the Yeah, I know, topic. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got ranty. <laughs> it's not just me. Fucking America. What it comes down to is a base <laughs> economic theory that the value of a dollar is set by the fact that there are a finite number of dollars in the economy. Mm-hmm. And that the more those dollars are concentrated in the hands of a few than how comparatively worthless the ones that the rest of us hold are. Mm-hmm. So if you can move money back down from the upper echelon to the base of the economy, the economy develops into a much healthier environment. Part of what is necessity for that is to have more smaller businesses so that you don't end up with these large multi-conglomerates who will take all the money and then, oh, um, well, our, our, our head office is actually, well, it, it's in, well, we've got one head office in the Cayman Islands, and then the branch that owns them is also based in the Bahamas, and the branch that owns them is actually based in Ireland, but the, the company that owns that company is also based back mm-hmm. originally in there. So money gets filtered through X number of shell corporations and tax havens, and it eventually just evaporates. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us left picking up this tax base. Yeah. So, uh, fuck the private prisons. Yes. And don't drop the soap. Moving on. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, uh, if they do still need private prisons, I've got a room for that I could make available upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Small business, sole practitioner. I got a room. I can put a bar door across that. No problems. Yeah. Good deal. <laughs> All right, you can say it again. Say it again now. Go on. Say I know you want to say it again now. Drop the soap. 
though. Oh, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) It's late, people. Please forgive her. Moving on. Top Trump. Nope. I refuse to talk about this uh, beta carotoid fellow. Uh, it's all right. Sorry, Diana. We aren't going to talk about him. Good. What, what we're going to do is we're going to play an English card game, Top Trumps. And it's a, a card game that's available widely in England and uh, most to all good international airports. Ooh, and, fancy. And, there is also a U.S. branch of it, so you can find it in places over here, too. Um, each pack, as our English listeners will know, has a different theme um, from dogs, cats, horses, cars, um, space, and the one I picked out, countries of the world. Um, so I picked this one out as a public service to the uh, Trump campaign because they might find it educational because there's probably a few countries in there they've never heard of. Is this where they're getting all of their foreign policy advice right now? It's probably more accurate than the sources they are using. <laughs> all right. So um, how's this work? This has got to be better than your uh, dot to dot idea. <laughs> oh, come on. That was a classic. An absolute winner. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm going to shuffle the cards. Okay. And then I'm going to deal them out. Mm-hmm. So uh, we each look at our top card. You get to look at the top card. Okay. And there's a range of stats for each of these countries. So um, you look at it and it's got the area, the population, the number of Olympic medals, not including Rio. I'm actually not sure quite when these were printed. The highest point in feet and the flight time from D.C. And um, for each of those values, we'll go with the the one that's got the highest. So... Um, for example, so it's, just, so it's kind of like war, like yeah, it, it, okay, it's, yeah, it's um, it's a much friendlier version of that. Uh, it, it, it's the kind of thing that Canada would do to would do if Canada went to war. Okay, all right. You can totally picture Trudeau playing this game, can't you? I can, I can picture Trudeau doing all kinds of things. <laughs> it's totally different. It's a different we'll podcast, right Rob. <laughs> we'll be right back after this short break. And welcome back. <laughs> so, so why, don't, why don't you take the cards again? All right. Yep, um, I got them. All right. So you look at your top card mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> quickly scan the stats and see which stat you think is going to be unbeatable compared to anything that I might have in my hand. And bear in mind, everything can, 
every card can be beaten by something else in the deck. So, um, what card okay. have you got? Well, I've got Russia, and since uh, that is the largest country in the world, um, it says that Russia covers more than 10% of the world's landmass and has nine different time zones. All right. Um, so this is going to take forever if we both kind of read through all of these stats. So um, since we just had the Rio Olympics, why don't we just use the Olympic medal stats off of each card? And then we'll read them out loud and uh, we'll go from there. All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it topical. There you go. Top, topical okay. top from pre-Rio edition. Yes. Okay, so, uh, Russia, Olympic medals, 317. Uh, uh, Poland, 261, so you win that first card. All right. Um, next one, I have uh, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, they have one. Ah, um, I have Peru, and they have quadrupled that tally with four, uh. so... My card. All um, right. You. Uh, and I get to go first. Canada. Oh, Canada. <laughs> 260. Ugh. All right. Well, I have Brazil, and they have 91. So you are <laughs> set again. Excellent. I like where this is going. Mm. Uh, next card. Kenya. They have a total at the time of printing of 75. And I have Egypt, and they only have 24 medals. Huh. Yours again. Thank you. Uh, next round. Clearly uh, there is no medal for a pyramid building. It should be 25. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Maybe the pyramid was the red medal. The winner is underneath it. <laughs> Sorry. It just Sorry. fell back and crushed him. All right. All uh, right. So, uh, next card. Italy, 512. Uh, well, I have China at Ooh. 385. Really? Is that all? Yeah. Well, this must, again, I don't know about the time of printing, so this uh, must be before the gymnastics powerhouse that they became. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm not sure when it was printed. Uh, okay. Uh, next card. Um, Argentina. 66. I have South Africa with 70. Ah, your card. All it's right. About time. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, here. This this will make up for it. I have Iraq with one. <laughs> oh, you're going to be mad. India, 20. Uh, <laughs> I promised I shuffled this. I don't know that I trust you. <laughs> All right, my turn. Mm -hmm. Spain, 113. Now, I have South Korea with 215. Oh, man. All right. Your, uh -huh. your card. All right. Here we go. Ugh. Really? <laughs> what? Vietnam 2. I think you're doing this on purpose. How did you deal these? I, I watched you shuffle, but I still have no guarantees you didn't stack this deck. This is BS. Uh, well, um, yeah, Japan 361. Uh -huh, uh -huh, as I thought. That's what uh, I thought. Yeah. All right. If I, if I was really trying to have a go, you had to use Peru with four, but mm -hmm. no, Japan. So mm -hmm. my card. Thank you. Fine. Uh, all right. On to, ooh, 
New Zealand. Hi, Nathan. 86. <laughs> Haha, at a stroke of South Pacific luck, I've pulled Australia. With 432. Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't offend him. Oops. All right. Uh, Mine. Uh, uh, yeah, that one's yours. Uh, ooh, this is a good one. You ready? No. What you got? USA. 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 2,296. The Trumpiest Trump of Top Trumps. And I have got the oldest of all of them, Greece, with 108. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether that just includes the modern Olympic medals. My guess is it does, because it, um, they kind of won all the previous ones. <laughs> <laughs> so so there, that, that's your card. All right, yes. All right. Uh, next, I have the UK with 715. Oh, man. All right. Cuba, 194. There. Proof if proof were needed. I shuffled these things. Now. Now. Because it wasn't something with just one. It wasn't <laughs> Peru with four. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. Ready? Here we go. Mexico, 55. Germany, 851. <sighs> <laughs> All right. Mine. Yours. All right. Uh, let's see. France, 636. Ireland, 23. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, last card, Israel, 7. <laughs> you about to trump me on this one again? Afghanistan, 1. Oh, Mine. I have to end with one. I started with one. I have to, or no, I started with Russia, but what I, what I, I gotta go back. What did I get? Second card. Uh, UAE, United Arab yeah. Emirates, one. And now I'm ending with Afghanistan, one. And you had Iraq as well. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, interesting mm. way that happened. <laughs> so, uh, should we just call it at the end of that? <laughs> Or do you want to play another round? No, I'm good. I'm all set, thanks. <laughs> all right. So I, I can see by the respective piles that I have 18 cards to your 12. Mm -hmm. So I claim this episode's Olympic gold in top trumps. Yeah. Yeah, you always collected the little gold medals at your sports day, didn't you? Yeah, I got them first as well. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Denouement. Um, well, guys, thank you for listening to us here. You're more than welcome to get in touch with us through all of our usual channels. Our website is www.radio-podcast.net. You can find our email address there, uh, links to our Facebook pages, our Twitter account. Um, How active is our Twitter account? Because the phone I have Twitter on is dead. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you. I get emails saying that I get 
updates. I'm a, I'm a terrible Twitterer. <laughs> Come visit us on Facebook. We are much more active on Facebook. We're old. We don't Twitterer. <laughs> I believe the young people call it tweeting, my dear. No. The youths today. <laughs> take those little uh-huh. birds and cram them. Yeah. So, but I mean, if you want to, I still get notifications if you guys send us stuff. So, uh, are you calling the the Tadukan of apps? But that's it's just it's... packed with shit. Well, it's bird stuffed inside a bird. <laughs> it was just a visual I had. <laughs> yeah. Well. um <laughs> So You've yeah, if you guys want to, if you guys want to reach out and, and get in touch with us, we, we're listening. <laughs> we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you. Ideas, if you guys, um, if you have some shit you want to pimp, we're mm-hmm. more than willing to uh, have you on. Um, yeah. Have a, have them on what? Here. The, oh, the show. Oh, okay. It was the gleam in your eye. You had me worried. Oh, don't worry. That's for later. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys should... Mr. Secord? <laughs> Mr. Secord, will you please play us out?